Speaking of the New England of it all, I really want to acknowledge that the mass holes were mass holing. They sure were. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. Gather around the table, everyone. Dinner is served. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack. A total joke, a waste of time. Or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris, I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast, and this week I'm joined by the Scream Queen Paris. Pilgrims are unfuckable. This week we're back in the theaters to check out a holiday slasher brought to you by Eli Roth. Before we set the table, though, we have some follow-up. Let's follow up on some stuff. All right, y'all, the holiday season is almost upon us, and we have something really exciting in store for you. So get ready to treat yourself or your loved ones, because on November 24th, we're going to be launching brand new merch in our online store. We have stickers featuring our beautiful faces and logo. We have trendy new tees, a cozy hacker slash pillow, and so much more. Honestly, it's really cute. It's the perfect way to show off your love for our podcast and get into the holiday spirit. So mark your calendars for November 24th and make sure to check the link in our show notes to be one of the first to snag these items. And that's our follow up. Well, in 2007, Grindhouse audiences were treated to something different, a unique cinematic interlude. Sandwiched between Planet Terror and Death Proof was a fake trailer that gave a glimpse into Eli Roth's vision of a holiday horror film. And that trailer planted the seeds for what would eventually grow into our feature presentation today. Now, this week's film is the expansion of that vision and takes us to the streets of Plymouth, Massachusetts, where the festive seasonal air takes a more sinister turn. In the aftermath of a Black Friday riot that spiraled into chaos, the town finds itself haunted by an enigmatic and terrifying presence. Rooted in the very heart of the holiday, this menacing figure brings a new kind of horror, turning the season of gratitude into a time of fear. So grab your pumpkin pie and settle in, folks, because this week we're talking about Thanksgiving. What were you expecting going to this, Paris? So you texted me like last week and you were like, hey, a lot of scheduling stuff, yada, yada, might need you to tag in for this Thanksgiving episode. And I was like, honestly, sure, absolutely love that, but like not thrilled at all about the movie. I was like, oh God, I was absolutely not intending to see this bullshit shitty movie. Didn't care at all, but I was like, you know what? Love the pod, love my girls, love the whole vibe. Let's do it. Happy to be on board. And then I was mentioning to a coworker, I was like, oh yeah, I have to go see Thanksgiving later this week. And he was like, oh yeah, that's the one that's based off of the commercial from Grindhouse. And I was like, oh. And then I was vaguely optim, not vaguely optimistic because that's still a lie. I was 15% more interested in this film, which would bring me to 16%. Wow. The math is mathing, I suppose. What about you, Kringle? Okay, so I had seen the trailer from Grindhouse several times, but I had only seen the trailer for this one one time. Okay. And I was expecting for it to ooze disgust, quite frankly, and and not even in a good way. We have the Eli Roth of it all. Mm -hmm. I realized that I think what my biggest concern is I I haven't seen a lot of his work that I've actually liked. Oh. I liked him as an actor in Inglorious Bastards, but you know I, I liked The Last Exorcism. He was a producer for that. Mm. But Cabin Fever, Hostel, 
it's a no for me, dog. There's this element of this that I felt was really going to radiate big predator energy. So I thought I was going to be discussing based off of that trailer. But I think more so for me, I didn't allow my hopes to get super high because of all of that. But I did at the bottom line expect some polished tongue-in-cheek camp and a few cheesy lines of dialogue. Really? You expected polish? The one time I saw the trailer... It was giving polished in terms of its aesthetics. Okay. I don't believe I saw a trailer for this film, only the Grindhouse trailer, which was like deliberately bad. Mm -hmm. But there's actually billboards for this movie all over LA, which I was like, that's what? Very confusing to me. Um, I was expecting like Bunny Day, Thanks Killing level, like garbage (laughs) film, like camcorder made by two white dudes that smell bad. You know what I mean? Okay, that is a great description of Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. Quality was not even in the top 50 things I was thinking I was going to get. <laughs> Were you aware of the cast of this film? Not at all. Okay. Nope. Okay. As soon as it started, I said, oh, oh, what? They signed on to do this? It's honestly shocking. Uh-huh. Wow. I am so glad that this was such a surprise for you. So going into this and having those expectations, not allowing myself to be excited, I think it set me up pretty nicely because I found myself being entertained the whole way through. Yeah, honestly, same. After I got over the initial shock of the casting, I was like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. Oh, I'm a little intrigued. I'm a little invested. I'm having a bit of a giggle. I'm enjoying a kill here and there. So, uh, yeah, I agree, Chris. I think having such a low expectation for this movie is the right way to go because then you have nowhere to go but up. Yeah, there was also a clip that I saw and it was Eli Roth talking about how excited he was about this movie. And he was also sharing that he'd always had this dream or this vision of making like a historic, like iconic slasher, like Halloween or Scream. And hearing that, I was like, Again, it is tempering my expectations. I'm like, listen, motherfucker, Mm -hmm. I haven't liked a single other thing that you've done. There's no way I'm going to like anything as much as like Halloween and Scream from what you're putting down. But here's what I did find. When I'm watching a slasher, and obviously I'm a huge fan of them, I find that there are a few options or paths that my brain can take to towards like assessing out how I feel. And I think the biggest three are... Either A, I'm completely enthralled or I'm tense or I'm devoted to the characters in the way I often am with like Halloween or the original Black Christmas where like I'm rooting for their survival and I really want them to make it. Option B, I'm amused, but it's fucking bonkers, right? Like think about like Terrifier, Terrifier 2, etc. Mm-hmm. Or then C, maybe it's fine, but I'm just intrigued because it's trying to subvert expectations or it's keeping you along for the ride of like a whodunit situation, kind of like Scream. Yeah. So most slashers I love, like hit one of those three big points, but this movie didn't. I was though enjoying the ride that it was taking me on. I wasn't hanging at the edge of my seat wondering who was behind it. I wasn't totally invested in the core group of characters, but I was invested in what the killer had going on because it was just so much fun. And I think it's a product of Eli Roth being so damn excited to make an iconic slasher. I love that. I could, I feel like that definitely translated. 
I wrote in my notes at one point that like it hits all of the classic slasher beats, like specifically like the teen slasher beats. And I think I saw on your Instagram story when you saw this, it was like an empty theater. Yeah, it was empty. I mean, some people like ended up trickling in like late into the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I think by the time the first like main climactic action goes on, we'd already had like the couple pairings of people, but it was mostly empty. Interesting. My theater was, I think, sold out or close to it. It was a packed house, which I, when I booked my ticket, I was like, why is this so full? I mean, it wasn't a huge theater, but it was like surprising to me that that many people were seeing it. It's all the billboards. Honestly, it probably is. I think it's also the LA of it all. Like to this day, we still got applause for the Nicole Kidman AMC commercial. I love that. Yeah. If you see a movie, near its premiere at that time, you're gonna get some applause for Nicole Kidman in West Hollywood. But the audience was very reactive. There were a lot of huge laughs. There was applause. It was a very lively crowd. And I think the movie sort of invited that and then rewarded it, you know? Like, it was kind of a movie where, like, people were making comments and talking. And it didn't totally annoy me, which is rare. The one gay next to me, though, like, I made... I like giggled at one thing that he said during the trailer and he noticed that I giggled and then I feel like he was trying to perform to me specifically for the rest of the film. And I was like, stop, just be quiet. <laughs> I hate that. Ooh. I know, but couldn't blame him. And God. it added to the experience, I'd say. Yeah, and then you are bonded. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, despite all of that, I found myself still surprised by this movie. I was actually surprised how non-sexual it was. I'm surprised to hear you say that because I found many characters in this film to be positively sexy. You know, I feel like it was tastefully sexy, where it was just like, we're just going to show you hot people, but we're not necessarily going to make them do hot things at least one time. Okay, that's, it's fair. I'm not saying that there wasn't anyone attractive in this movie, because there absolutely was. But listen, when you think about the content that these movies can have, when you also think about the trailer for this movie that was in Grindhouse, this could have easily been very disgusting. It could have very easily crossed the line with uh, the depiction or violence against women. It could have crossed so mm-hmm. many lines. But I really, again, expected this to be over the top and oozing that horn dog energy. I will say, though, I think this is a safe experience. If you want to go see a movie with a friend who you might be uncomfortable to weather out like an extended sex scene, you're good. Like this is a green light. But also don't be friends with them. If you can't watch extended sex scenes with your friends, find new friends. <laughs> what if it's a budding friendship, Paris? What if they're just not there yet? Well, that's one, this is one way to get there. <laughs> I guess. But I feel like horn dog energy specifically is such a good term because Eli Roth very much has been known for that vibe. And you're right, the trailer from Grindhouse definitely alluded to that sort of a tone. Um and yeah, so you know what, you've sold me on that. It was it was not that vibe at all. And that is surprising in hindsight. Mm-hmm. I think for me the biggest surprise was like how funny it was. I wasn't expecting it to be a comedy. I'm glad it was because like if you're gonna do a Thanksgiving movie, you just have to be like, this is stupid. 
where do we go from there? Because when you don't say that at the beginning, like if you don't acknowledge that this is stupid, then I'm sitting there the whole time thinking, this is stupid. Why is no one saying it? Yeah. You know, it was so I was surprised with how, how funny this was. Like I had a couple laughs. The audience was cracking up around me. I was like, okay, this is like a good horror comedy, I would say. Like it falls into horror comedy. I didn't want to say good. Sorry. For sure. But the other element of this is that, you know, I mentioned earlier, I expected some tongue in, in cheek camp. This was not as cheesy as it could have been. Like, it's funny. True. But it's also not so hard in the direction of the movie that is coming up for us next week, Black Friday from 2021 with Bruce Campbell. And, and that is a movie that is straight up horror comedy. It leans very far into it versus this. I feel like it kind of peppered it in. Its comedy was well-balanced, but let me tell you, the one thing that I was disappointed with is actually some of the gore. Really? Mm-hmm. Listen. Wow. It's bold, and it goes in a lot of great directions. There is a lot of gore in this that is like, damn, that is great. It's satisfying. Yeah. But then there are other moments that the CGI was just so jarring to me that I was like, oh, it doesn't feel like the rest of the gore. Like, it felt like it stood out in a bad way. Mm. And that did not feel as well seasoned as the comedy or the rest of the beats of the movie. You know, I really do want to unpack that. So let's make sure we circle back in the spoiler section because the few parts that I found to be a little bit more disappointing were actually, from what I could tell, practical effects. And I was kind of like, not quite. So yeah, let's definitely revisit this in more detail once we can be a little bit more explicit. Mm -hmm. But despite that gore, do you think this was scary? No, there's like, there were a couple jump scares that got the audience that I was in. I don't think I really flinched. I didn't really bat an eye. And I don't think that the energy of the killer is particularly scary or sinister, but that might just be me. Yeah, you know, there's not like this sense of real danger. Like I think about Jason Voorhees. You think about Michael Myers. They're imposing statuesque figures. This motherfucker, you realize it actually is not that tall once you factor in the pilgrim hat of it all. <laughs> dangerous. Dangerous. <laughs> but not threatening and looming, not omnipresent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just like a different level of threat. But hey, small and agile, still, still threatening. I think if you're a fellow slasher enthusiast or if you really dabble into horror, this shit is not going to get you. It's not going to rock you. It's not going to bother you. I think it does have a few jump scares that'll get the uninitiated. And, you know, my theater, I mentioned obviously mostly empty, but there was one jump scare in this movie. And I think because of the intensity of the sound in it, that the couple that was all the way at the end of my row dropped their popcorn. Oh, really? But that's it. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think as far as originality goes, I found myself a little torn. I think there's a lot of things in this film that I've never seen. And whenever I give my originality score, if there's original kills, if there's original ideas, points from Paris. So definitely some of those points in this film. But also I felt like it was unsurprising hearing what you heard Eli Roth say in that interview, because it felt very formulaic to a slasher, to the point where you had texted me beforehand, because you watched yours before I got into mine. And you're like, hey, can you make some notes like on the kills so we can make sure we have like an accurate kill count. And it was to the point where I didn't need to wait for anybody to die. I I got I picked up on the cues being like a, a seasoned horror enthusiast and immediately wrote down who was about to die, put my phone down and then enjoyed it happening. And I was only wrong once. So 
Mm. Maybe that's more of a comment on its predictability than its originality, but I feel like they're a little bit intertwined. They are, and I'm really curious to see if you were completely wrong or if you had to just kind of go back, put a little asterisk, and then change the time of death. More like that, yeah. Okay, great. So you probably know which one it is. (laughs) Oh, absolutely, I do, because it's the same spot for me. (laughs) So here's the thing, right? There are a couple different angles I think you can take in terms of the originality. This movie is absolutely a slasher. It doesn't offer a ton of new stuff to the subgenre. It's okay that it's a fucking pilgrim using Thanksgiving tools to fucking kill people, right? It's fine. It's, It's okay. But here's what I consider. I think of my brother recently reacting to seeing Terrifier for the very first time. And there's something that Art the Clown does in that movie that made him say, oh, shit, that's different. And my brother's not going to have to say that about anything in this movie. It's rare that you can say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be said for it to be good. True. Listen, I like pizza. You like pizza. Mm -hmm. If this were pizza, it'd be a well-constructed pepperoni pizza with no frills. You can't be mad at it. Yeah, I don't need you to reinvent the wheel for pizza to be good. I don't need a concept. I don't need it to be deconstructed. You can do just the thing you do, and it's a hit. hit. Absolutely. Where I do give this movie points, though, in terms of its originality, is similar to how I give points for, like, reboots and remakes or continuing, you know, requels and how it treats its source material. This going and fleshing out a concept from a fake trailer keeping some key iconic moments from that trailer, but also expanding the story and taking it in a new direction. It was really interesting to me reading something else that Eli Roth said, which was something to the effect of, hey, let's just pretend that this is a modern day remake and the fake trailer is a movie that exists, but it was done so badly. It was done so terribly. It was in such bad taste that it could never be done. And this is just a remake of that movie. And that allowed them to have a better like playground and a little sandbox to work in. And I really respect that. I think this considering what that original trailer was, it does a lot of things differently while also keeping the spirit of what I think made that trailer so cool. So I think it gets points there. I love that. That actually feels like a very smart choice for them to have made. And I think that does reflect in the finished product because i you're right i pretty early on i was like oh this is not like a 70s timeline whatsoever this is modern day um how, is that a problem we'll see uh so yeah all right i'll I, I, i'll give it a couple points for that as well yeah i also give it points for its ending though again not something that's gonna blow your fucking mind away not something that's gonna smack you in the face with how fresh it is but there was a moment where I was like, holy shit, this is ridiculous, and I love it. Really? hmm When we say ending, do we mean the end end? Do we mean the third act? I don't mean the end end. I mean the pre-end. It's not the full third act, because okay. the full third act was a little okay. like a little bob and weave here and there. Yeah. But I'm thinking about what happens right before the final scene of the movie. Interesting. For me, the ending was as mid as they come to the point where I like started to get my purse, got my shoe, got my jacket back on, collected all my items. Uh, Cause I was like, I, I know exactly where this is going. It went exactly there. And then I left. So the ending to me, 
not bad, not surprising, not great. Okay. Well, that's fair. I'm curious to see how a not great ending ultimately impacts your rating. But before we get there, Paris, how would you describe the gore score? Okay, so I very rarely get to deliver a gore score on Hacker Slash, and I feel like I'm a very fair judge of gore. Uh, as somebody who enjoys movies like Hostel and Saw, I can acknowledge like when gore is insane and way too much. And I feel like this movie gets like a medium high gore score. There are some very rotted things that happen to the victims in this film. Creative, horrible, nasty little things that you get really good views of. So if you are a fan of gore, check this out. Um, if you are very squeamish or if, like Chris always comes up with, if you have a hypothetical friend who you're slowly introducing to horror, maybe don't use this one right away because some of these kills are nasty and gnarly. Do you think that's fair? A hundred percent, I think it's fair. Medium high. Me- yeah, absolutely. It's fair because while in the grand scheme of things, it is, it pales in comparison to some of the terrifier level shit we get. This is on the higher end of what I think the average person could take and not be super squeamish. Yeah. I think it's given quality, but also quantity. Mm-hmm. And what about the animal report? The animal report, save for a few turkeys, as is tradition, uh, is actually intact. And I love that. It's uh, heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This definitely could have gone a different way. And I'm so glad that Eli Roth saw a line in the sand and dared not to cross it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go ahead and get into our ratings then. Thanksgiving from 2023. Was it a hack or a slash? I went into this movie being like, garbage movie. But you know what? It's part of being on the pod. And I missed being on the pod. And I was like, you know... Being on the pod means seeing movies that I would never see on my own, nor would I want to. And I I said to you, Chris, recently, I said, I want to be on a couple more episodes because I'm, I'm able to be a little bit more available than I have been in the past. Uh, and I miss y'all so much. And I also remember Ryan recently saying something to the effect of, you need to watch the bad movies as well so that we have things to hack. Otherwise, the show is just slash. Uh, and I think I'm really known for my hacks in some ways. Now, with all that being said, this movie is a slash. And I'm really glad that you made me watch it because I never would have watched it. Even if you explained it to me afterwards, I probably still would have been like, oh, I'm glad you liked it. Not going to watch it. But I had a really fun time. It is a classic teen slasher, which is like my favorite type of slasher, like high school students getting killed for whatever reason, X, Y, Z. It has a lot of energy uh, in the same vein of, I know what you did last summer, which I love. And it really did feel like somebody who understands the slasher genre and really enjoys it and has the resources to do it effectively. It just felt solid, you know? It felt like a really solid movie that somehow shockingly is about Thanksgiving. And I was really gagged. It's a holiday horror movie that's good? What? What timeline are we in? Anyway, this also has one of my favorite kills in recent memory, which is so horrible, and I'll never be able to unthink about it. But it's like, to me, it's giving like Final Destination log kill where it'll ruin something for you forever. And that's a slash. Here's the thing for me, though. You say this, and I can think of like three kills that it could be. Fair. And I love the versatility there. That's a good sign. This movie has range. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. 
Listen, far be it from me to find a moment to disagree with you. I really had a good time with this movie. This movie did not subvert expectations for me, but it did, as you mentioned, solidly walk the line of a well-rounded, well-executed slasher. I made an assumption mm-hmm. very early on who the killer would be, but I think it does give some good, plausible alternatives that might have a few people guessing. I think if you are really into the slasher subgenre, you're going to pick up on some shit really quick that you're going to be like, ah, okay, maybe. But I think this is a good mm-hmm. enough time, and I think it it hides its cards well enough to keep you going along the way. It does have some cringe moments, but there are moments where it wants you to cringe with it as opposed to strictly at it, which is a very fine line to walk. And it has pretty convincing performances from its cast. And while it has characters I hate, I sure do love to hate them. And that's a rarity for me. Usually if, it's, if I find a com- character completely obnoxious and it kind of ruins it and takes it out, takes me out of the movie. But I also want to take a moment to acknowledge that Patrick Dempsey was named People's 2023 Sexiest Man Alive. Yeah, what the hell? I don't, I don't, I never give a shit about things like this. I really don't. Yeah. I don't even think he's particularly that sexy. However, I do want to acknowledge that a man of his ilk and his level of fame and acclaim is starring in a holiday slasher movie. Yeah. What a fucking time for horror, honestly. This is a big deal. This is a big moment. Realistically, what a time for the horror genre. That's fantastic. And listen, I I took a gamble pre-ordering my Thanksgiving shirt, as I'm wearing right now, and my The Carver pin from Fright Rags. Oh, my God. I took a gamble, and I was like, I don't like Eli Roth, but... Everything I've seen tells me that I might actually like this movie as low as my expectations are. And I'm glad I took the gamble and have these things on day one because this movie's a slash. Mm-hmm. And you've got the merch to back it up. Mm-hmm. And with that, Thanksgiving from 2023 is a universal slash. Now, you can find this movie playing in theaters. Go check the link in our show notes if you're watching it post its theatrical run so you can see where you can find it right now. But go check it out. Then join us in the second half so we can break down these iconic kills together. We'll see you in a bit. Are you too hot? Do you turn heads everywhere you go and you're sick of that unwanted attention? Pilgrim Peplums has you covered. Simply adorn yourself with one of our patented Pilgrim Peplums and watch your fuckability factor fall. Nothing is less hot than a pilgrim. It's why they were so mad all the time. Buckle hats, ugly shoes, and those nasty little smocks with the giant baby bibs? They'd make even Jennifer's body as undesirable as a New England winter. So, embrace the unappealing, the unfashionable, the unfuckable with Pilgrim Peplums. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Thanksgiving, which has actually earned a universal slash. Now, we have a lot to unpack here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings, let's go through those kills. All right, we have, I think we landed on 12 and a half, because fetuses are famously half people. (laughs) Okay. Not quite. (laughs) Not fully formed. Okay, but here's the thing for me. 
It was the fact that I, when I wrote this, wrote an asterisk and a, is it plus 0.5 for the fetus? And you, unrelated, in a different time zone, three hours behind watching this movie, also did a 0.5 for the fetus. 0.5 for the fetus. When a pregnant woman kills, that's one and a half. That's just canon. That's math. Mm -hmm. Everyone agrees. Okay, so we had 12 and a half kills. So many great kills in this, Chris. A lot of original ones, a lot of really big reactions to almost every kill in my theater. The theater was gagged. We start off strong with three kills in a horrible Black Friday nightmare. Three pretty original kills, all things considered. Not just your typical trampling. Yeah. Just one trampling, one collateral damage of glass shattering, which is so sad for that man. Yeah. Also still grabbing his waffle iron, almost in denial of what is (laughs) happening to his fucking neck. But, oh my gosh. And then the bitch that comes by and takes it from him as he dies. It's so bad. It's so bad. So nasty. It's so rude. Oh my gosh. But Amanda. So when I, we have to say this, when I saw Gina Gershon, obviously the girls gays and days, we love the movie Showgirls. And she is famously so in- incredible in that. And as soon as I saw her in this movie, I was like, oh, I was so gagged. And I was like, we're not going to have her for long. I just know it. She did not sign on to this project to be a f- here from the beginning to the end. But to see her get scalped by a shopping cart, that really, really upset me. <laughs> Partially scalped. It was awful. Yeah, true. It's also just like how sad for her. She is there to, I mean, again, we don't know everything about her toward love affair yet. But she's there to support her husband on Thanksgiving to bring him food. He's mm-hmm. concerned for her safety. He tells her to wait there. And she is just caught up, swept up in the madness. A victim of circumstance. Absolutely. You know what? She has agency over her body. She had plans. She had ambitions of being with someone that she loved more than the guy that she was married to. And it seemed like she had intentions of breaking things off. She didn't deserve that. True. I agree. It was sad, Mm -hmm. but fun to watch. Absolutely. So earlier in my ranking, I mentioned that there was a kill in this movie that ruined something for me forever. And that is the trampoline kill. (laughs) So we have a gorgeous cheerleader, as picturesque of a cheerleader as you can imagine in your mind's eye, dear listeners. Actually, at this point, you should have seen the movie. And if you haven't, thanks for listening anyway. We have a cheerleader really setting up bizarre, bizarre setup for this sequence. There's like a spotlight over the trampoline. It's indoors. She's basically doing like a little trampoline strip tease for her boyfriend who she doesn't realize has already been murdered. And as she's bouncing up and down, the killer underneath comes up with knives, just like one knife, stabbing her in the foot. Then she falls and falls onto the knife again. But now every time I bounce on a trampoline, I'm going to wonder, are there knives under there? Are there knives under the trampoline? And if I bounce too deep, I'll stab my foot. When I saw that scene, and A, let's just take a moment to thank them for bringing this from the trailer and fixing the direction. This one was in the trailer? It was in the trailer. I need to rewatch it. However, the problem is in the trailer, she does a split. (gasps) the knife goes into her vagina. Oh, actually, I was afraid that was going to happen in this. And that is something that was gratefully left behind. Absolutely. Thank you so much for losing the horn dog energy and not penetrating her with a fucking knife. Oh, that is disgusting. 
However, when I saw that, I immediately thought, thank God Paris is going to be on here because now we have the Tendon Slasher. Literally, it gave Tendon Slasher. And then for her to just, because she kept bouncing. You don't just stop bouncing on a trampoline. You can't just stop bouncing. You have no control in this situation. She was helpless. You belong to the trampoline. You do. And gravity. It's Mm -hmm. literally, and honestly, the killer could probably get away with that one. That not necessarily was him. (laughs) He was just under there with a knife and she bounced. Not that I'm blaming. (laughs) I'm blaming a woman. (laughs) Not you victim blaming and letting her know, hey, go ahead and say (laughs) something. It won't hold up against against him in court. (laughs) I have plausible deniability. Paris. Paris. I didn't kill you. Gravity did. (laughs) I expected more from you. But truly, I will never, because like, especially like, I don't know. If you're ever at a trampoline, you you can't see what's under there. There could be a tendon slasher. <laughs> I haven't been on a trampoline since I was like six. Neither have I, but you better believe next time either of us are on one, this thought will come to our heads. The same way when you drive behind a log truck, you have the final destination thought. Or you drive in front of the Mayflower. Because fuck, that sucks for that guy. Oh, yeah. Really did. He got final destinationed in the head by the Mayflower. And except Final Destination, that was pretty pretty thin piece to impale him by. Uh, this one was th- it was like a traffic cone thick, impaled by the Mayflower of all things. But this man being Final Destinationed by that, absolutely terrible. And then the blood squirting all over what I presume, who I presume are his daughters. Yeah, that's right. Right next to safe. him in the seat, absolutely, absolutely awful. But I want to take it back to what is my favorite kill. Okay. And this is number one in my top five favorite kills in this movie. Wait, where did trampoline rank? Not even in the top five. Damn. It's so good. Listen, the trampoline, great. I had to remove it because of the semantics because it's not how she died. Oh, fair. Actually, yeah, true. You know what I mean? That was a good moment of violence. Yeah. Okay, but let's talk about Kathleen, because the carver, was was he glazing her or buttering her? He was basting her. Basting her. He seasoned her Mm -hmm. with salt and pepper. Mm -hmm. He put on fucking garnish. It's iconic. I hated it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I loved it. I hated looking at her feet, but I loved it. Yeah, it was the feet for me. Yeah, it was disgusting. You know I hate feet. I also hate feet. It's a Capricorn thing. But here's the other thing. She goes on to have such a scene of tiptoeing around this house, uh, really playing a lot of cat and mouse. And I think she was so good at evasion because she herself was a villain. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. She was a, and obviously I related to Kathleen in a lot of this movie. I was like, I get it. You want your husband to make more money. Absolutely. He should open the store on Thanksgiving. Totally makes sense. And then even when she like saw the girl in the fridge and was like, I'm coming right back. We all knew she wasn't coming back. Never. We all knew. Never. <laughs> she said, I'm just going to leave you here, bitch. And I'm out. Yeah. But do we think that the cat and mouse sequence was campy? Because it felt comical. I loved it. How absurdly close in proximity they were throughout the whole scene and like the framing of it all i thought it was very funny i thought it was done in a very like smart but stupid way it's giving scooby-doo is what it's giving yes it gave a scooby-doo absolutely it's so good but then for her to get the good old pitchfork to the back and then get dragged back in put in the oven to roast Mm -hmm. oh my gosh 
It is such a fucking moment to see her screaming in so much agony. He opens up the oven, pokes <laughs> her, and then that little just pops right at the end after she's dead. So good. The meat thermometer, cherry on top. Absolutely. It actually leads into what is my favorite scene, but we'll get there when we get there. Okay. I cannot wait to the continuance of that because Kathleen didn't just serve in that oven. She served when she was on the table too. Let's see. Any other any other notable kills we should touch on? The corn cob things in the ear. Horrible. Julia absolutely awful she has one contact Mm -hmm. in she can barely see she can't hear anything and then to know that she was just flung onto that saw yeah if she had honestly not been shocked so much or if her boyfriend had gone up faster to catch her she would have just didn't been dis you know maimed or dismembered but not completely dead yeah he really took his time stepping in there yeah but you know what i will say credit to them because the trauma in their eyes outstanding it was believable. It was definitely believable. I think we also have to talk about the waitress, the for our first kill post initial incident. Okay, famously number four on my top five favorite kills. Absolutely, Lizzie. Wait, just go through the top five. Okay, Kathleen number one, number two, Evan. You're gonna break the internet. Oh my god, so good to go viral. You really need to hit people over the head. <laughs> so stupid. But then he says, congratulations, Evan, you're a star. Oh my gosh. I just love it so much. Also, because I fucking hated Evan. And I was like, this motherfucker's got to go. And I know yeah. that it's all his fault. And therefore, they're not going to kill him first. And I hope he has a satisfying death. Because sometimes these bitches don't be getting satisfying deaths. True. No, it was great. I fucking loved it. He was number two. If Kathleen didn't make a reappearance on the table, he would have been number one. Mm. Number three, Manny, the security guard. Only because I love the shocking moment of the turkey carver in the gut. But really what put this kill over the top was the composition of his cat in the foreground being pet by the carver and fed because that cat didn't give a fuck and his blood splurting out of his decapitated body. Fucking chef's kiss. So good. That was beautiful. Then we have Lizzie, which we'll discuss now. And then, honestly, it was a decapitated turkey during the parade. That one was solid, too. The moment I saw the clown, I was like, yeah, that's her. That's her, mama. A hundred percent. We clocked it, but the people in the theater did not at all. Yeah, I'm like, there's no reason a fucking Halloween clown is in this goddamn Thanksgiving parade, sir. Exactly. No. Hmm, one of these things is not like the other. It's giving Joker. Absolutely (laughs) not. It's the killer clown. (laughs) From outer space. Which is brilliant, which is brilliant. When you think your victims are on to you... Switch up your little costume. Mm -hmm. Switch it up. They won't expect it. Especially if you've committed to one look the whole time. Mm -hmm. Okay, Lizzie, the waitress. Mm -hmm. So many horrible things happened to that nasty, hilarious woman. The freezer burn. like (gasps) So first, drowning her face in the sink. And then slamming her face against the freezer door of the meat locker. Oh! Yeah. And then her face ID not working on her phone. Her face ID <laughs> nor her touch. Like, she could not because of her bloody hands. <laughs> Nothing worked. Nothing worked. It was just awful for her. But I loved the wetness on the face to the freezer door because it was reminiscent of a Christmas story with little Ralphie getting his tongue stuck to the pole. And then fully for her to try and escape by crawling into a dumpster, which is the saddest thing a person can do. I'm oh, sad for her. And then to be fully split in half. Okay. Okay. Here's where the CGI was for me. Okay. 
because we get the practical of what I think are like a lot of guts that stick out, right? Like, yeah. there's a lot of noodles that are noodling. But it was particularly the severing of it, even if it was for just a moment or a flash, it looked like it did not belong on the screen. And I absolutely hated that. Mm, okay, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I think in the moment, me and the people around me, we were all just so shocked that I that I missed it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's something that I really actually do want to spend more money to go back and see this movie again in theaters so I can just take it in. I wish it was playing in Dolby somewhere so I could see it on a better screen. Oh. Maybe maybe this is just my viewing experience in digital at AMC, but yeah. I thought uh I, I thought that was a moment where it stood out and I was like, ooh, I don't like what this is giving. For as good as all those kills are though, I know I give a little bit against the CGI. One thing that I had no issues with throughout the entirety of the movie was the look of the killer, the design of the killer. He's a little short king. He has his top hat. He's a little pilgrim. He's cute. But it was simple. And I think it was the perfect balance of giving the John Carver of it all without going so hard down the pilgrim route that you'd look fucking dumb. Mm. For example, we see Ryan in his pilgrim garb later, and he looks absolutely terrible. If they had put an actual pilgrim in this movie, like even think about the movie we saw a couple Thanksgivings ago, Pilgrim. If they dressed him up like that, would have been laughable, would have been terrible. Yeah. This, no, it's just a mask, the hat, and then a nice all black or dark kind of garb to, to, to mask it. Fantastic. Yeah. I think the killer was inoffensive to the point where I'm like, I could see this being like a, like a Michael, like a Jason. Like, I feel like it fits. It feels appropriate without being like particularly bad in any specific way i didn't love it it gave me a little bit of like burger king energy mm-hmm. with the mask oh yeah you know what i mean and also like i hate the aesthetic of pilgrims so much they're famously unfuckable i don't know if you know that unfuckable but his pilgrim look was the closest to fuckable i can say that as far as favorite visual element goes I think a lot of the gore, beautiful to behold, some really wonderful practical effects in this film, which I actually really appreciated because it felt, it felt tastefully done and it felt like it was selectively done. And most of it I was happy with. And this is sort of just going to go back to my favorite kill, the visual that was set up for the trampoline kill with the lighting. We had just such a beautiful shot with that spotlight in the gymnasium and the shadows all around her. And then after her boyfriend gets his head killed or his head twisted backwards, the way he's like sitting there watching her, but his head's facing the wrong way. I just thought visually that was like a really striking composition. But I think overall, this movie did a really good job of paying attention to like really small details as far as visuals go. Even actually, if we're getting Binksy with some of the sounds, Specifically, pretty early on, there's a scene where there's a song playing in the background, and the final lyric of that scene is like "bury the hatchet," and we cut right to a scene of a hatchet being thrown and like landing at like a target. And I was like, okay, very thoughtful, very specific, very deliberate. I loved like that kind of cued me into the movie being like self aware and being like, hey, we thought about this enough to handle it right and i felt like a little more optimistic after that part and then also just like another small detail so the scene after jessica is like chased in the school by the killer and you have like bobby giving her his coat and then she goes to hug ryan 
And the and like Ryan like pushes the coat off of her as he consoles her because they're obviously fighting over her. Like that was a tiny visual thing that happened, and it got such a huge laugh in the theater. And like I laughed out loud as well. I was like, "That's so stupid, so petty, and so again thoughtful." This movie's visually thoughtful. This movie really is visually thoughtful, but where I think it shined the most was in my favorite scene where the visuals comes together with the dialogue, comes together with just the earnest reactions from the cast, and that is the scene, dinner is served. We have everybody at the table, and the killer, this is the first time we hear him talk, he has distorted voice modulation, and it was at this point, I already... I had already known who the killer was from the first moment of the movie movie opens up. We get that POV shot approaching the house, a la Michael Myers, a la Billy from black Christmas. I'm like, all right, it's the fucking sheriff. They give you too many obvious red herrings. I think to ever really pull you away from that. But I do think if you're not a fucking like weirdo nerd like me and love that fucking opening POV shot, then maybe it would be surprising. But this is the first time that we hear him talk. And I think seeing that technology, if I hadn't gotten that, I would have immediately suspected him because of Scream 6. Mm, Okay. And just thinking about the cop dad of it all, you know what I mean? And really where I think this moment shined for me was him, the carver, serving up all these fucking unhinged (laughs) one-liners. Now, is that any way to think, Kathleen? She's been cooking all day. It was fucking (laughs) dad jokes. But it was good dad jokes. It was really good. And they were back-to-back. Let's start off the dinner with a cheer from our cheerleader. (laughs) Pours a cup of her blood like it's the fucking blood of Christ. Puts it on the table. You might want to let that breathe. (laughs) He was, honestly, he, he dropped a lot of bodies, but he was also fucking killing the game with that dialogue. He was. That was very cheeky, very smart but stupid, really balanced nicely. And I, I normally hate like a dad joke or a pun, and each one I was like, uh, uh, all right. I couldn't be mad at it. Yeah, especially think about all these slashers we get, and they don't say shit. Ghostface we hear during phone calls, you know what I mean? And, and seeing Ghostface talk in some of these scenes, it's only in the more recent ones that it feels good to see Ghostface talk. But the Michael Myers of it all, for the My Bloody Valentine, for the Jason Voorhees, etc. Everybody except Freddy Krueger, really. You expect strong silence. Yeah. And you get silence all the fucking way through until this guy finally fucking says something and then he's just hilarious. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> He finally opens his mouth and he's prepared. He brings out his notepad. He's like, all right, hold on. What else did I have written down? (laughs) He's practicing a tight five. That's improv. That's improv. Yeah, that sequence was all very solid. It did kind of, that actually for a second threw me off of the trail because I also pretty early on picked up that it was Patrick Dempsey, partially because he's the most famous person in the film and why else would he do it? And then two, I think I was generally confused as to who Gina Gershon was fucking because I thought I picked up on a vibe between them at the dinner scene. And then later the other guy was like, my wife died. And I was like, oh, that was your wife? So that just might be my intuition or my confusion. Well, I mean, you're not totally wrong. I would be curious to go back and rewatch it because the second he said his family and he started talking about Amanda, for a brief moment, I was like, oh, was he her brother? Is that why they were so close? 
Oh, Immediately, no. I don't even think about them fucking. I don't even think about them having <laughs> my innocent mind. They were both the two most famous people in the movie for the most part. I think my innocent mind is like, oh, she was there. She was so sweet, taking her husband Thanksgiving food. Obviously, that's her brother. <laughs> the fuck do I know? But when I heard him say, because at one point during his little like Thanksgiving dinner monologue, he said something to the effect of like blaming them for being so greedy as to like not only get in first but brag about it and i was like oh his motive is that he's mad that they got in before him and for a split second i was like maybe it was one of the people that was trying to get in on black friday like that like didn't get their waffle iron and like that's the gag at the end but then as soon as we got the fake patrick dempsey kill like the moment we saw a kill that we didn't see on screen i said no no he's the killer yeah i didn't think that was positioned as a kill though i thought it was pretty obvious that like he was still breathing I thought it was just like a little knocked unconscious. But for what and why, you know? That's fair. For the theatrics. Now, as far as favorite scenes go, I had a couple. I really enjoyed the parade sequence. I thought that was like a fun, high energy. Uh, There's always an interesting dynamic with a parade because you're kind of trapped, right? You're like sort of on stage in a way. And you're also like trapped on either side by large crowds. So it's a very specific thing that happens during a parade of course helen shivers yeah exactly helen shivers drop dead gorgeous like there's a lot of really solid movies that i love that have like a notable parade sequence and this was definitely up there but i think my number one favorite scene is when we have jessica running from the killer and she hides in like the hair studio because the moment he walked in there and we knew she had run in there, I was like, this bitch is going to pretend to be a wig head. She is going to, and then they showed it and I laughed and the audience laughed. And every time they cut back to her little head, just like surrounded by all those little wig heads, it just really tickled me. And I was like, that is a fun way to use this visual. It was a, it was a tense scene. It was like part of the cat and mouse of it all. And I thought that that was one of the more original things I'd seen as well, because usually you have like the killer hiding as a mannequin. And this was like the, the victim literally just like, don't move, pretend to be a 1980s looking wig. <laughs> and it was so stupid. and so funny to me. It's so great. It does. The closest I think I get to being reminded of that is Hellfest. When we have a couple girls hiding towards the end of the movie in a room, but they're having to adorn the same like black cloth and white mask as a bunch of other mannequins in the room. So for her to just like really, she pulled a Scooby Doo. She pulled a cartoon. This movie. She pulled a Scooby Doo. She really did. She really, really did, which is what this movie is so fucking wild for legitimately just standing there hoping to blend in. Are you kidding me? (laughs) It's hijinks. It's tomfoolery. Shenanigans. It's shenanigans. Yep. It's wild is what it is. Which I think adds to the charm of the characters in this movie. Jessica was an interesting final girl. Was she? (laughs) Well, she's interesting for this reason. In some moments I was rooting for her and in other moments I was like, you're kind of bland. You're kind of like a saltine cracker. I could take you or leave you. If you die, I'm not going to really care, even though I don't think this movie's actually going to try to kill you off. But I think what won me over was just the absolute fucking persistence in some of the comedy in this movie. It was a lot of the hiding in the wigs, hiding among the wigs. For as much as I hated Evan, it was him continuing to just do dumb bullshit that leaned further into who his character was. These characters, again, I either love or I love to hate. 
but they were charming nonetheless. And I feel like in a movie where your two most famous people are Patrick Dempsey and Gina Gershon, I feel like they carried their weight. Yeah, I can I can say that, except for Jessica, that I agree. This could be one of two things. It was either that Jessica didn't quite have the same perspective or take on the tone of the film, and she was being a little more earnest, which oftentimes in campy films is to the benefit of the film, or she knew and she was delivering flat Jennifer Love Hewitt, I know what you did last summer, empty-headed nothing girl, which I don't know which of those options I prefer, but the end result I think is ultimately the same. Like somebody who's kind of dull, boring, and maybe not even in the same movie as everyone else around them. Mm. But the other characters, fun. The tertiary characters gave me just enough to know who they were and how I should feel about them. I thought Patrick Dempsey's character was actually very funny because I'm from Massachusetts. So like he was doing a very specific type of man in Massachusetts who's like a simple, like gentle, but also like not that bright kind of a guy. Is that a himbo? A little bit of himbo, but not hot. They're usually not hot. And I don't, I'm personally not a fan of his physically necessarily. No tea, obviously hottest man in the world, whatever. But I hate blue eyes. And I found his character, I was like, this is a really funny character choice he's making. And it made it all the more satisfying when he was actually the killer, because then he got to actually flip the switch. And it it almost gave um, Scary Movie when Doofy is the killer. Sorry, Chris, spoiler alert for Scary Movie, which I don't think- Thanks for remembering, I haven't seen it. Yeah. It's okay. Not a movie where you really need to give a shit about who the killer is. It's okay. Hereditary was spoiled and I still managed to like it. Exactly, yeah. And I don't think you were going to like Scary Movie anyway, but you have to get through one and I think two is better, but to get to three, which is really- where it peaks. Third time's a trauma. Exactly, yeah. And that's also when they stopped being horn doggish and started just being like satirical, campy, funny. But yeah, Patrick Dempsey's character I thought was solid. Kathleen's character, obviously, I loved. I feel like that actress played that with a lot of fun nuance. Jessica's character was flat. The the friends I thought were solid. Bobby, let's talk about Bobby. At first, I was like, wow, Bobby's hot. And I was like interested in his character. Then he disappeared and comes back grows like a tiny little bit of a mustache, immediately becomes so much less hot to me and so much less interesting. I was like, I don't care what you were up to. I was kind of glad that you were gone because everything you're bringing back with you, I don't need. Keep it. Not that her new man was any better, Ryan, but I was like, Bobby, you weak sauce. Get out of here. Yeah, I think what bothers me about the Bobby and Ryan of it all is her commentary about Ryan was simply that he hasn't ghosted me yet. So, you know, points for him. Yeah. And Sad. it was re- <laughs> it was reminiscent of the same kind of vibe I got at the end of Shaun of the Dead when we felt like our main heroine yes. was just settling. And that's what I feel like Jessica was doing in this movie. I feel like she had a relationship that she was happy in, that she was content in. That guy just fucking disappears. He acknowledges that he did it for his own immature bullshit, whatever. We get that. But then she just continues to be with Ryan, and I'm just like, ugh. He was waiting in the wings to just, like, be there with you. He he was being predatory and, and just circling you like a fucking vulture, and I don't think that I'm a fan of that. No. However, the thing with Bobby, I almost would have preferred if he just didn't come back at all, and he was just kind of left as this, like, oh, maybe it's Bobby. Red herring. You know what yeah. I mean? I didn't really care for the... 
I'm still your friend. You can trust me. But you haven't been in this fucking town for a year. You're not friends anymore. Yeah. You're somebody she used to know. <laughs> yes, exactly that. But at the same time, I do feel like Jessica would settle for a guy because he was there. And also, she's like never going to move out of that town. You know what I mean? She's like that kind of a girl. That's Plymouth, Massachusetts for you. Speaking of the New England of it all, I really want to acknowledge that the mass holes were mass holing. They sure were. I thought the performances were really fucking compelling. Yeah, especially the waitress. The waitress, I didn't realize she was going to come back, but if just the opening sequence with her like at the front of the horde of zombies for the Black Friday of it all, if that was just her performance, I was like, give her a little honorable mention because she was really selling that character. She really was. And even the guy from Hanover who gets his neck twisted in front of the cheerleader, the accent work was just fantastic. Some of the accents were very solid. Mm -hmm. Some of them, not so much. And that's Massachusetts. (laughs) (laughs) Famously one of the harder accents to do. I I can't even do it anymore. Well, regardless of when the accents hit or not, I think the worst part of this movie for me, it still has to be just the CGI on some of the gore, on some of the blood. But realistically, honestly, if that's the worst part of this movie, then it has some great fucking things going for it. That's fair. Similarly, as we are two sides of the same coin, my worst part's going to come down to some of those practical effects. Specifically, I believe Kathleen's thigh meat that was cut off looked so fake, so stupid. And I was like, no. And it reminded me of another moment at the very beginning of the movie that was shocking. And it's when Gina brings out her turkey for the family, like in an earnest moment. It's a raw turkey. It is the ugliest, worst looking turkey I've ever seen in my life. To the point where I had to consider, was that a choice? Maybe. But also it it was like wrinkly. It was like its skin was too big for it so many problems with that turkey and that was a practical turkey and then i think there's another moment where there's like a face and there's a practical effect on there where i could like kind of see the latex peeling and i was like "Mm, i'll give it to you i ain't mad because that was a fun scene but yeah some of the practicals really didn't quite do it for me and again so many solid practicals as well so not that bad of a worst part yeah this is honestly something that i am looking forward to seeing a featurette on i want to get into the nitty-gritty behind the scenes Because honestly, if some of their blood bullshit ends up somehow not having been CGI, which I don't see how it's possible because it looked so digital. If if that's the case, I'm going to be honestly fucking shocked. Still didn't look great. Still looked a a little raw. But there are so many cool things in the movie. Like I'm thinking about the flesh peeling from the freezer. Mm. Yeah. I ended up mm, sound as if it's delicious, but it's disgusting. <laughs> I cannot wait to watch a documentary, a featurette, a little behind the scenes moment. And honestly, I can't wait to watch this movie again. I'm definitely going to try to catch it again in theaters. Maybe I might fuck around and watch it again next week, like week of Thanksgiving. We'll see. But what about you? Yeah, I'll definitely watch this again. This was a really fun movie. I had a great time. I feel like this is the kind of movie Dwight would enjoy, so I might watch it with him again. But overall, just like a really solid slasher. And if this is like the kind of movie that shows up on streaming services around this time of year, I'll pop it on. It's a good time. Very pleasantly surprised by this movie. And listeners, well, I guess if you've gotten this far, it's too late. Go into it with a low bar. Go into it not expecting that it's a movie that's a universal slash based on Chris and Paris. Just go into it and be like, oh, you know, well, I'll just put this on. And you'll be like, you know what? That was fun. 
Storm. Well, there you have it, folks. Thanksgiving, freshly released in theaters, has earned a universal slash. Now, we've certainly had a robust discussion here, but it doesn't end here by any means. We want to know what you think of the movie. Was it giving slash for you? Were you too surprised by how unfuckable the pilgrims are? Let us know. You can join in on the conversation by hanging out with us for free over in our Discord. Click the link in our show notes to sign up. And if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons. Visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to enjoy more of the show with early access, extended episodes, bonus content, and live shows. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, be careful who you trust. Gobble gobble, bitch. Gobble gobble, bitch.